thank you, choir, beautiful and powerful. Blessing to our worship. Thank you for that gift. And again, it's so good to start into the fall together and uh, to be with one another as we enter into the, the, the year that's ahead. You know, we're starting out the fall uh, with a series called One Another. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at the phrase, welcome one another. And we thought, well, as we come together, what we're being invited to do is extend the love of Christ, not only simply to the, everyone that we recognize, but also we talked about more, uh, opening the door uh, wider by one. You know, that one person that you don't know, when you come in, you say, golly, I'm going to welcome that person. That's the way I can be part of extending the love of Christ. Jesus says, love one another even as I have loved you. And part of the way we live into that is by welcoming one another. And today what we're going to be looking at is the whole notion of harmony. And building harmony with one another, we're going to focus in on verse 16 from chapter 12 in the book of Romans. And verse 16, the phrase that we're going to focus in on reads like this. Live in harmony with one another. The instruction to the church, the instruction to those who are seeking to live the life of Christ, live in harmony with one another. And so with that thought, let's bow our heads, join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the blessing of this day, for the ways that it leads into the week, for your word that you would give to us as a gift of truth, a calling that would encourage us in the footsteps of Christ that would invite us to live by the strength of the Spirit in ways that, that we might share that love of Jesus within the life of our church family, within the life of our community. And so, God, with an openness to you and to how your Spirit would work and move within our lives, we give you thanks for our time together today, worshiping in Jesus' name. Amen. About a couple of weeks ago, on August the 25th, an American hero passed away. It was John McCain. John McCain's last words have been quoted widely, and I want to open up our time together in our message this morning, reminding us of those words, for they are words about the hard work of harmony. And here are um, Senator McCain's uh, words to us and to the nation. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment, hatred, and violence in all corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down. When we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force for change they've always been. We are 325 million opinionated, vociferous individuals. That's how we describe the United States. Probably pretty accurate. 325 million opinionated, vociferous individuals. We argue and compete and sometimes even vilify each other in our raucous public debates. But we've always had so much more in common with each other than in disagreement. If only we remember that and give each other the benefit of the presumption that we all love our country, we will get through these challenging times. We will come through them stronger than before. We always do. A call to the hard work of harmony. You and I know that this week is the 17th anniversary of 9-11, a day that changed uh, the history of our nation for sure and changed it not for the better 
a day that really challenges us as a people of faith to do the hard work of harmony. We see the news, all, you know, and what's going on in the news just about every day, and we say, boy, there's that need for the hard work of harmony. And so the apostles' words come to us today to bring forward that challenge, the hard work of harmony, and it is hard work. It would be so much easier if we were all alike. I mean, it'd be, you know, if we were all came from the same country or maybe the same part of the country, you know, if we all had the same background, if we all had the same opportunities, the same privileges, if we all had the same educational, you know, uh, opportunities growing up, if we all had the same opinions, if we all, you know, uh, had the same set of values, you, know, you can go on and on. It, you know, it seems like it would be easier to come into harmony, you know, if we were all the same. And maybe that's true, maybe that's not, I don't know, but it, it seems like it would be. But you and I know, even if we were all the same, you know, whether we had harmony or not, it would make life a lot less interesting. <laughs> Diversity brings big dividends. Diversity brings big dividends. You know, you and I know we live in a wide and wonderful and beautiful world. And what we're invited to do as people of faith is to open up our eyes to see the breadth and the width of the world and the beauty of the world and in all of its diversity. As we see the beauty of the world in all of its diversity, what we begin to see is we see the glory of God in that beauty. And as people of faith, we're invited to, to open up our eyes to behold that. As people of faith, we're invited to open up our minds to know that as we listen to others who are around us who have different opinions than our own, our own, who see truths in a way that is different than our own. What that does is it sharpens our thinking. What that does is it help us, helps us to, to hone and to focus on what we think and what we believe and what others think and what others believe. That diversity, it sharpens us. We're invited as people of faith to open up our hearts to the struggle and to the suffering, Cindy talked about it this morning, in ways that it deepens us as people. Because you and I know when we begin to see that world, the world that we live in, and the way that there is suffering all about us, that it calls us forward into compassion. See, what we're invited to do as people of faith is to be about harmony, is to be about the hard work of harmony. And what the apostle does in the scripture this morning is he leads us into a how-to. You know, as you look at the text today, he talks about live in harmony with one another. And he kind of leads us into, well, what does that mean? And how do we do that? And so this morning, what I want to do is to share with you four thoughts that are, you know, kind of quick and simple. But yet, as we begin to think about it, well, how do these apply to what I do and how I live? I think they do lead us forward into doing that hard work of harmony. And the first thing the apostle invites us to do is this, is to be competitive. Can you all be competitive? Yeah. We competitive in sports? Yes. Competitive in business? Yes. Competitive in academics? Yes. Okay, he says be competitive in compassion. Be competitive in compassion. I love his words in verse 10. They go like this. He says, outdo one another. Outdo one another. He says, don't lag. Don't fall behind. In zeal. He says, be ardent. Ardent is a good old-fashioned word. Be ardent. You know, be, be excited about serving the Lord. And so what he's saying is, be competitive in compassion. 
Uh, I'm not sure what that might mean for you or what that might look like for you or what it might look like for me, but one thought I have is, you know, we have the network challenge and we have a challenge of 2,000, you know, 2,000 pounds. You know, you could say, well, to be competitive, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the first one to bring my stuff in. You know, you can bring it in today. You can bring it in, you know, next week. Or, you know, I'm going to be the first one or I'm going to make sure that I brought in more than I did last year. Or I'm going to be the person who makes sure that when I see somebody coming in the door, I'm going to hold the door open for them. Or if I see somebody I don't know, I'm going to welcome them. You know, whatever it means to you to kind of take that extra step, you know, to don't lag behind, to outdo one another. I just love the way he kind of leads into that phraseology in ways that it challenges us to, as we live our Christian lives, to be aggressive in terms of how we move forward in Christ's compassion. Be competitive in compassion. Outdo one another in showing honor, not lagging in zeal, serving the Lord. Next thing he says as is, is he comes into the text this morning, he says, increase your empathy. Increase your empathy. Empathy is when we walk a mile in someone else's shoes. When we walk a mile in someone else's shoes from an emotional standpoint, that is empathy. When we not only kind of figure out what other people think, but we also try to get in touch with how other people feel. That's empathy. In the scripture this morning, what the apostle says, he says, laugh with those who laugh and weep with those who weep. That is empathy. Laughing with those who laugh, weeping with those who weep, making that emotional connection. Michael Bader has written in Psychology Today about a breakdown in empathy in our society. And the term that he uses in that breakdown is still face. He says what a lot of people are experiencing in our society today is the phenomenon of still face. Still face comes out of research that was done in the 1970s with infants and with mothers. And what was happening with infants and mothers is what they did with the mothers is they said, when your baby cries, don't respond. Show a still face. And when the baby laughs and kind of gets warm and kind of coos around, don't respond. Show a still face. And see what happens with the child. And what they did in the study, they did the study that way. And the baby's anxiety and the stress level just went off the charts. I don't know how you measure that in an infant, but, but it did. And what he was showing us and what the, what the psychologists were, were bringing forward is the importance that when people struggle, when people suffer, when people weep, when people laugh, that people around them need to respond to show that they are heard. That's empathy. When we laugh with those who laugh and we weep with those who weep. That's how we show that we emotionally connect. And what Bader was saying is that we have whole segments in our society these days that what happens is in their struggling and in their suffering, what they're getting back in their suffering is still face. But when they're getting back, you know, they, they cry out, nothing comes back. And we as the Christian church know that when there's a part of our culture that's crying out, what we can't do is do still face. What we can't do is show no response. What we can't do is say, is kind of keep on going like nothing's going on. Laugh with those who laugh, weep with those who weep, walk a mile in their experience and see what it does for our hearts and see what it does in terms of how we respond in Jesus' love. The third thing that he says, he says, don't fall into this trap. And the trap that he's talking about is the snare of superiority. 
Because you see, when you have differences, if you're like me, I have this natural tendency, maybe you have this natural tendency too, that you know, when, when I have a particular opinion or I have a particular way of doing things and somebody else has a different opinion and a different way of doing things, you, are you like me that you think, well, secretly I know that I'm right? You know, I know that my way is just a, just a little bit better. I got a little bit more inside. I, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, know a little bit more about how it really works. And so, you know, I, I just got a little bit of edge in what's going on in terms of things. That I'm glad you all laughed because I, I thought, well, good. I'm not the only one that kind of thinks like that. I, it, I think it's just human nature. And what the apostle says in the scripture this morning is this. He says, don't think of yourselves as wiser as you, <laughs> than, than you are. I mean, that's, that's the line. And the line is, you know, just don't get puffed up. Because what he's saying is that as we come to things, it's not like there's a better and there's a worse, or there's a greater and there's a lesser, there's a superior, or there's an inferior. That's this snare of superiority. He says, don't fall into that snare because what happens is the people that think differently than me, you know, they're coming from a different place. They have different experiences. They're looking at it differently. Whatever they think is as right for them as what I think is as right for me. I know, I, you know, that's, people are doing their best and we give them that grace. And so the apostle is calling us, don't fall into the snare of not giving that grace. Make sure we always are willing to listen and to learn in those differences that we share. And so he says, don't fall into the snare of superiority. The last thing he says in terms of the text today, that as I read it, is that as we do the hard work of harmony. The toughest place to do that hard work is in the presence of evil. He spends a lot of time in this particular text dealing with how you build harmony within the context of evil because evil is when people decide to deal with differences destructively. That's what evil is, when people decide to deal with differences destructively. And so he says, as, as we come into that kind of a situation where people are dealing with differences destructively, first thing I think we need to do in building the bridges of harmony, and I would share this with you, is you always want to make sure that you are safe. You always want to make sure that you are safe. You always want to make sure that the people you love are safe, that you're protected. I don't think people can work the strategy of harmony when they are being constantly afflicted with harm. You have to get into a protected place. You have to get into a safe place. But when you get into that safe place and when you get into that protected place, here's the strategy. He says what we decide to do is to be responsive rather than reactive. Responsive rather than reactive. Reactive is when you practice payback. And that's what he says in the scripture. This one he says, don't repay evil for evil. That's payback. That's reaction. That's saying, whatever I give, whatever I get, is what I'm going to give, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. He says, what all that does is that es escalates what's going on. It escalates the anxiety. It escalates the, the pain. It escalates the evil. It's like a tornado. It swirls around, and it grows. That's what happens with reactivity. He says, what we want to do is we want to be responsive. And what responsiveness does, and the phrase that's used in the text today, it says, as far as it depends on me. What responsiveness does is it claims my control in the situation. That when I respond to somebody, I'm not going to be controlled by what they have done to me. I'm going to be controlled by what I decide to do in, relation, in relationship to what's going on in the circumstance. And so he says, as far as it depends on me. He says, do what is noble in the sight of all. Instead of payback, go big picture. 
Go big picture and begin to see things from other people's perspective and all, as many perspectives as you can and then decide to act out of that. And as you come out of that place, what he says is here's what you try to do. What responsiveness tries to do is it tries to break the cycle. It tries to break the cycle of evil. It tries to break the cycle of payback. What you're trying to do is as you break that cycle, is you're trying to build that bridge of harmony. And here's he says, and here's two things that he recommends in terms of breaking the cycle. First thing, you gotta give vengeance and revenge back to God. The text today, and the famous line in the text today is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And the reason that that's in the text today is because vengeance belongs to God and not to us. <laughs> it belongs to God and not to us. Revenge belongs to God and not to us. You know what God does with revenge. He hangs it on the cross, you know. But, but that, he's saying you've got to give vengeance over to God. We don't exercise that. You and I know the phrase, you know, the classic phrase with vengeance goes like this. I don't get mad, I get even. You all familiar with that phrase? I don't get mad, I get even. Well, was, I, when I was doing my research for this, I found a way, one guy said, it was, it was a beautiful way to phrase it. He says, you know, don't use the phrase, I get mad, I get even. Here's what you say. I don't get mad, I don't get even. I get even better. I don't get mad, I don't get even. I get even better. What I decide to do is I decide how I'm going to respond. I decide to go big picture. I decide not to do payback. I decide, is that what he says in the text today, is that when your enemy is hungry, feed them. And when they're thirsty, give them a drink. He says, what that does is that it shows people that there's another way beside the cycle that they know. That there's another way to build harmony and build a bridge that they're not building. And that what we do as people of faith is we decide that this is what we do to be responsive. And so the apostle brings forward these ideas and I know there's, a, I've said a lot today and there's four, you know, kind of four major ones, but I'd say pick the one that works, you know, kind of, kind of sticks with you the most. Competitive and compassion. Increase your empathy. Don't fall into the snare of superiority. Responsive, not reactive. Break that cycle of evil. And he brings that forward. And as he brings that forward, he says, that's how we, build, we do the hard work of harmony. I want to tell you, friends, ministry takes pastors to a lot of different churches, to a lot of different places. And uh, Julie and I have been privileged to serve lots of wonderful congregations. And I include us as one of our wonderful congregations to be part of. And part of our journey as we've been in ministry, we went into one church in a particular community where there was a sign that welcomed people coming into that community for decades. And the sign read like this, the blackest land and the whitest blackest land and the whitest people. And that sign was on the edge of that town for decades. And there was a man who was the mayor of that town who was part of that church who back in the 50s made sure that that sign came down. Made sure that that was not the sign 
by which that community was going to be known. And he was part of that church and he kind of typified the spirit of that particular church. What happened that every time we had Martin Luther King Day and there would always be a march uh, uh, on Martin Luther King Day and particularly the African American congregations would march on Martin Luther King Day and this particular congregation made it a point that a lot of the congregation would have marched. And after we had the march, that particular church would always host a barbecue lunch, a free barbecue lunch. Everybody's welcome to come and have barbecue. It's part of being in the harmony and the brotherhood and building the bridges together. When an AME church burned down in that town, a small AME church, what that particular congregation did was they invited that, the AME congregation to come and to use some buildings, uh, some portable buildings that the church owned that were on the property and so they welcomed that church in so that the church could set up shop and, and, you know, and worship and have Sunday school and have administrative, you know, everything that you need to run a church. And they did that for months. They did it for about six months. And then when that church kind of, when the African-American church, the NA church uh, cleared the property, what they, the church did was they gave the buildings, or the church I was at gave the buildings to that congregation. So that as they were doing their new construction, they could still have a place to worship and to learn. And the congregation went forward and they adopted a school in a different, more disadvantaged part of the community. And so they engaged in mentoring and then engaged in uh, literacy. And so what I'm saying is that there was a spirit there. And we didn't have it, you know, as part of our mission statement. And we didn't have it as part of, you know, here's what we're specifically going to do as a plan. But what happened is as the needs would come up, it was the heart of the, of the church family. It was the heart of the congregation to say that who we are and what we do is that we live together with one another in harmony. What we do and who we are is that we build harmony. The apostle invites us in Jesus Christ to have that heart wherever we find ourselves in the circumstances in which we move and in the context in which we live because it's unique everywhere it's unique everywhere but what we're invited to do is to be the people who do that hard work and as we do that hard work know that we're following in the footsteps of christ let's bow and let's pray together gracious god we give you thanks for the word of truth we give you thanks for the way that it calls us forward we give you thanks for the way that in that truth and in that call, your Holy Spirit moves to strengthen, to sustain, to open up our eyes, to open up our minds, to open up our hearts. And we step forward and we serve and we see how you would show forth your kingdom and we would see your glory. And Lord, we thank you for that blessing, even as we would live into it in our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. I invite us to stand. We're going to join in singing our first and last verse of our, our closing hymn. Uh, we are one, uh, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Let's sing together.